Welcome back, your Hell Yes Life Trailblazers. I'm so happy to have you here. You may have noticed that there's been a pause. I haven't put something out in the last two weeks. I never thought I was going to be one of those people that couldn't be consistent until life happened. And so today is going to be a little bit different. I always do interviews, and today it's just me just talking about what is a hell yes life when the shit hits the fan, because that's what September was for me. And yes, there is hell yes still in that situation. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So just a very brief bit of background. I adore my mom and had flown out to be with her. She was supposed to have knee replacement surgery on September 14th. Well, I arrived on the evening of September 11th, and one day later, we had her in the ER with what turned out to be a life-threatening situation. She ended up in the hospital for two weeks in rehab for one week, and it was one of the most trying times of my life. Not only the life-threatening, but there were other changes happening in her that were extraordinarily hard for me to see. I was the one that was also handling all the medical decisions while also attending to her, obviously, and being there for her and comforting her. And it was immensely emotionally taxing. I was advocating, chasing down nurses, learning about cardiology, discussing what medicine was best for her with doctors, asking for specialists to come in, doing research. And in large part, sadly, my family was not very supportive at the time. And in many ways, they were actually challenging, making the situation even worse. So in that situation, what was the first thing that I did for my hell yes? Boundaries, even with my family especially with my family. Often you think, well, they're family members. We're just supposed to grin and handle any behavior. Nope, not in my world, not in my hell yes life. In my life, I am responsible for me. I am responsible for my safety. I am responsible for my well-being. And if that means blocking somebody else from interacting with me or being very, very clear on how they're allowed to interact with me, then that's what I'm going to do. And so I actually ended up blocking the most troublesome family member on my phone so that I really never needed to deal with any of that situation again. And I've stopped communicating with two others and most recently even asked to be removed from the family text thread. Now, does that sound extreme? Maybe, but I feel much calmer not being included in a discussion that was laced with tension and judgment. And I'm not saying I was perfect. I'm not going to put myself above others. All I'm saying is, in this situation that was really emotionally taxing, I knew what I needed. And that meant big, bright, red, neon boundaries that people were not allowed to cross. I know that I can speak to my mom directly to understand her situation, and I can skip the middleman. I don't need to have those people in my life, at least not for now. Maybe I'll feel differently about them in the future, but right now, as I said, my priority is me and my well-being, and my mom and her well-being. But again, I can deal with that separately. The next one was honoring my needs. Now, obviously, I wanted to be there for my mom, and I was there for my mom. And she is extraordinarily lucky to have a wonderful husband who is also an early bird. So he would go into the hospital early. And since I am not an early bird, I would have a slower morning. I would do some meditation. I would get outside, get my feet into nature and ground myself and get ready for what was ahead. And then I would go into the hospital and I took the later shift, which often unfortunately was harder because older people can change in a hospital and that situation gets worse as the day goes on. But it meant that I had time alone, time to just be, time to ground, time to take care of my energy. And if I hadn't done that for myself, 
I probably would have been snippy with people. I probably wouldn't have been able to show up. I wouldn't have been able to tend to my mom's fears to help her understand what was happening. Because if I don't help myself, how can I possibly fully show up and help somebody else? So that was really important to me. I'd also look for food that I'd enjoy so that I could skip the horrible, unhealthy hospital food. And ultimately, I had to let go of old ideas. Like, I never thought I would be that person that just skipped putting my podcast out. I love my podcast. It's such a light in my life. And yet, for the first week, I tried and I just couldn't do it. I thought I was going to be doing a disservice to my guest and to my audience to put something out that I really didn't have my heart in. The second week, I didn't even try. I just couldn't. I had nothing left, nothing creative in me. I just had to keep on being focused on my mom and take one step after another. And I had to let the podcast go. And this is the beauty about life. We can let go of an idea at any time. We can choose to live differently. And so in that moment, I needed to let go of, I need to do a podcast every week. And instead it was, I need to do what is important right now. The other thing that I did to honor my needs is since being home, I have been in almost a state of PTSD. It's unlike anything I would have expected. I have had no energy, not at a physical level, but at a soul level. It's hard to explain, but I have nothing to give anybody at this point. I said no to any plans. I only left my house once to get food. Other than that, I have been essentially in silence all week, not for some deep spiritual practice, but because I couldn't handle any stimulation. I just could sense that I was going to get overwhelmed. And often, even sitting on a couch didn't feel right to me. I had to get on the floor to be on something really solid, and I curled up in a fetal position. And that's what I needed. It's not ever what I would have expected. I thought I would have gotten back and I would have been happy to connect with friends. And no, when I got back, I had this deep sensation of just stillness, stillness, stillness. I need silence. And every day throughout the day, I would check in. What do I need? And the message kept coming up, more stillness. And so that's what I gave myself. The next thing I did, so we have boundaries and honoring my needs. The next one is feel all the feelings. During the situation, luckily, I had my mom's car, so I had my own little private bubble to sob, to scream, to let every emotion run its full course. Because when we keep those things bottled up, they get stuck in our body, and they can create issues later on. I was never going to cry in front of my mother. I didn't want to upset her like that. But I did run to the bathroom in the hospital, and I cried in there. And I did get into that car and screamed with every ounce of the universe. Like I have never screamed such immense anger at people, at situations that just needed to come out. And oh, did that feel good. One time in the shower, I was singing a song and all of a sudden an emotion came up and I found myself on my knees in the shower sobbing. And I just let it flow. I don't question why. I don't care what it means. When I have this desire to scream, to cry, to do whatever, as long as I'm in a place that I'm not going to disrupt other people in a large way, I just let it go. I let it move through me until completion, until I feel like, okay, that's cried out. And if something comes up again, do it again. The next one is asking for support. And for me, what I realized this time is it wasn't enough to just ask for support. I wanted to get specific. And so I reached out to my closest friends and said, I need more calls. I need more texts. I need more 
connection. Because often people say, well, let me know how I can help you. And yet they don't know. Maybe they think that you actually want space. And so by me saying, here's what I need, then it makes it easy for them to show up. And then the other part of it was accepting what did show up. You know, my closest friend, I would have liked her to call me instead of just text. I would have liked her to get in touch more often. But I had already asked for what I needed. At that point, it's up to her to offer what she wants to offer. I can't hold her to my standard if that's not what she wants to do. I can just ask and then honor what's there. The next one is appreciating who and what does show up. So as much as I say that a lot of family was troublesome, my aunt and cousins were miraculous. I have a cousin who's a doctor who was in Italy. He lives in the U.S. He was in Italy on his 30th anniversary celebration and would text me daily, helping me understand my mom's labs, helping me think through questions that I need to be asking doctors. And to have that inside support was immense. My aunt listened as I cried and offered support. See, the tears are coming up and I'm going to let them flow again because that's what's happening and that's what's real. And to me, tough times, tough times is how I define my relationships. I understand that not everybody is going to be available all the time. And so maybe one time when I'm having a hard time, a friend is going through their own thing or they just can't be there. But if a friend or a family member is consistently not there for me in the hard times, I note that. To me, that doesn't feel like a relationship that I need to really invest in. It's easy to be there in the good times. And if they can't be there in the hard times, then really, is it truly an authentic connection? The next one was, look for ways that bring in what nurtures you. For me, nature is a really big one. And luckily, there was a gorgeous neighborhood right behind the hospital. When my mom would nap, I'd go for a little walk through the neighborhood, and I instantly felt so lit up to be around the trees and the birds. And then I even noticed that there was an occasional bunny, which are just adorable and made me smile. And so then it became an adventure for me. And every day during her nap, I would set out to see how many bunnies I could find. And I got up to five one day. But it was just this fun little game I had with myself in the middle of all the craziness, in the middle of all the stress, in the middle of all the sadness, to go seek something as silly and fun as a sweet bunny chewing on grass. And so looking for these moments of joy and moments of ease in a challenging time really can make it easier, at least for me. And then because I tend towards the silly, to find joy and silly, of course, when the time feels right. At the most intense, at the first few days, there was no way I was bringing in joy and silly. Once we saw that the situation was most likely going to resolve itself, then I could tap back into that because that's something that lights me up. And I think it lights other people up as well. So I had clown noses that I brought in for my stepdad and I to use to cheer my mom up. And one day I brought in silly masks for us to wear. And I organized a, a mini party in her rehab so that I could celebrate my birthday early. My stepdad could celebrate the fact that he survived the saga. And my mom could celebrate that she was finally going home. So it's these little moments that just were spark of joy in a really dark, challenging time. So going back over it, for me, when the shit hits, it's boundaries, honoring my needs, feeling all the feelings, asking for support, and looking for ways that bring in what nurtures you and find joy. I hope this helps a little bit. I know it helped me to just to talk about it. If there's somebody you think could benefit from this episode, please share it with them. 
I really want to help as many women as possible live their unique hell yes life. I'm looking forward to sharing my next podcast, which most likely will be an interview again because I have some amazing guests. And remember, always stay brave and true to your hell yes.